Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan from Mount Gambier, Australia, and this is my quest to teach the whole New Testament as deeply and helpfully as I can. So grab your Bible and a beverage of choice, and let's take a few intentional minutes together in the deep end. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End. Our passage for the next two episodes is Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. In this episode, we will simply set the scene, and we will reflect on that in the next episode. Let's read the passage now. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, right out of the gate, we see that Jesus had a particular audience, and therefore a specific point to make in this parable. They are simply described as being confident in their own righteousness. They are seemingly convinced that their position in the religious system and their practices of devotion are such that they could walk in confidence of their good standing with God. But there is a huge flaw in their outlook. While enjoying the lofty heights of their religious expression, they began looking down their nose at those that weren't up there with them. Evidently, Jesus didn't seem to think that was a good position to be in, so another parable was the order of the day. We are presented with two men at the Jerusalem temple. The first guy is a Pharisee. It seemed to be a fitting example, given the way these guys had made lots of trouble for Jesus, and his view that their form of devotion was problematic. We remember back in Matthew 5 that Jesus called his disciples to live beyond the righteousness of a Pharisee. And many times in the Gospels, we see Jesus referring to them as complete hypocrites. In the Gospels, we see the Pharisees criticizing Jesus openly and harshly for eating with the wrong people. They've accused him of being demonic at least once. And they made their faith all about enforcing the rules rather than enjoying the presence of the Lord. They were lovers of money and were known to make a song and dance about all their outward expressions of worship. They would make public prayers on street corners, which were merely self-promoting proclamations. And they were known to do that same thing when the audiences were even bigger in the temple prayer times. When Jesus told us at the Sermon on the Mount to hide in the closet when you pray and when you give or when you serve, do so in such a manner as to not be noticed, this was in complete contradiction to the way the Pharisees went about their faith work. Jesus even said they already had their rewards, the accolades and the admiration of men, while the more humble had theirs coming in the kingdom. Sadly, the audience before Jesus had been conditioned to believe that these guys were the epitome of godliness, and they strove to be like them, thinking they would be on track with God if they did so. The second guy is a tax collector, hated by the rest of the nation because they'd sold out to the Romans for the sake of personal financial gain. They certainly did their job with vigor, and to get an income, they would actually extort money from their fellow Jews over and above that which Rome prescribed. They would use force if necessary. Their close dealings with the Gentile world made them unclean on a constant basis, and synagogues would never allow these people to have membership in their congregations. 
selling out their people also meant selling out their religion. It is said that the Pharisees even ruled it illegal to use their money, even if given to charity, because of its unclean sources. But above all that, the presence of a tax collector in their midst was just too much of a strong reminder of their failure as a nation. It was a constant message that they were paying tribute to an outside ruler. They had failed God so much that they were no longer their own people anymore. So when Jesus explains that these two men attended the temple prayer time with apparently the same agenda, you can imagine the minds of the audience running wild with that concept. It was inconceivable. Now there is something in the story here that will greatly diminish the power of this passage, if not explained. It is not spoken out here because the people Jesus was addressing knew the temple structure and process well. But there is an interesting story to be told when we consider the experience of each man as they came to the temple that day. It's entirely probable that these two men saw each other and perhaps greeted each other in a leery way on the way in. But their demographic and devotional experiences took them down two different paths from there. Before we go down that path, let's imagine something together first. Have you ever visited an amazing cathedral? I am sure the ones in Europe would be amazing to see. But I must admit my experience is limited to those here in Australia. That said, we do have some pretty impressive cathedrals in various large cities, some with really high roofs and steeples and all that splendor and majesty about them. We see them from the outside and we almost dread walking into them. When you enter these places, the experience can be breathtaking and even overwhelming. The Jerusalem temple experience was probably much more awe-inspiring than even that. These two men would have had the temple complex in sight well before they got to the doorstep, and even well before they entered the city, such was the immensity of the structure and its prominent place in the city. Even at the top of the valley heading in, the nervous anticipation would begin to build. They would likely enter the city through different entrances. The tax collector perhaps enters from the north in the lesser part of the town while the Pharisee enters from the south, past Herod's palace, past the high priest's palatial home, and eventually into the temple area via the east, where he happens to bump into the riffraff, including the tax collector. They would both walk up the first flight of stairs. They would both walk up into the crowded court of the Gentiles, with a better view of the central business part of the temple in their sights. After this point, the actual temple courts were heavily guarded and enclosed, and only actual Jews could proceed from there. Beyond this point, there would be 14 steps up to the beautiful gate, and this takes you into the court of the women. Then you had another 15 steps through the famous gate of Nicanor. This took you into the court of the men. This was the business end of the temple. As you entered, you saw to the right the place where animals were slaughtered. To the left, there was a huge ramp leading to the place where offerings were burnt. Next to that was the brazen wash basin. Priests washed here before doing the offerings, and as they washed, they were able to see their reflection and examine themselves at the same time. Then you had more steps. The optic was that you were always walking in an upwards fashion towards the presence of God. If you were a priest, you could climb those steps and enter the actual temple of the Lord. There, you would see a priceless curtain embroidered with a map of the known world which concealed that which lay beyond, the mercy seat. Imagine being the Pharisee, being able to get that close to the mercy seat, just beyond a door in his sights. 
Imagine being that close to the sacrifices and atoning offerings. Imagine being in the huge God-prescribed place of self-examination. How amazing would that experience be? How awestruck would he be in the presence of God in that place? How amazing would your prayers be as you stood in awe in that environment? Now, imagine the place the unclean tax collector got to pray in. Jewish law dictated that his career choice and dealings relegated him to Gentile status. He is literally on the outside looking in, left to pray in a market square merely within sight of the temple. The temple proper is within view, but behind gates and stairs and walls and even armed temple guards. Now we can see what the first century audience saw as Jesus spoke, and only now it is appropriate to work through the prayer of these two men. I'm going to let those images sit with you for a while, and I'm going to see you in the next episode where we will reflect on the whole passage and what it means for us. See you over there. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about this podcast and other ministries I'm involved in, go to my new website, www.ministryinthedeepend.com.au. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and even YouTube. So please like, follow, subscribe, connect, and comment wherever you can. I'll look forward to catching up next time. See you then.